when you go to kind of these marketing conferences and you and you there's speakers out there it's almost like a lot of people go to these conferences to kind of understand how to evolve their their business with you mean either if it's marketing automation for example it's like how do they start and how do you kind of go through it? and i think that's the whole trouble a lot of these companies do and we we face that trouble you mean as part of the challenges that, that jen's uh, pinpoint is like you mean every company kind of goes through those challenges it's like how do we evolve from that and how do you it's like how do you get started i think is, is the big thing Welcome back. Wing It Podcast, GooseDigital.com. Who do we have? Robin Kroll. Chris O'Neill. Jen Pugsley. Uh, Corey Jasmine from uh, RSA Canada. And Michael Turksani. Welcome, Corey. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on the podcast. Uh, long overdue, really, when we think about it. But mm-hmm. um, super, super, super excited to get this going. It's not our... Um, wicked cool looking podcast room which you can kind of see in my background there a little (laughs) bit uh but uh nevertheless it's um it's what we're working with in covid oh sounds good awesome so yeah we're, we're here to talk today about um strategic marketing automation you know that's your that's obviously your role um with within rsa canada and uh some amazing work that um we're very proud of with you guys over the last number of years Mm-hmm. Um, since I think 2015, right, Jen? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're really, we're, we're excited to talk about this because we want to bring a lot of value to the audience around um, how to align your, your automation, how to get into automation, you know, how, how to sort of align it really to sales and, and what, what are we trying to do to what are we try, actually trying to achieve with that program and kind of what do you need to, to start and, and a lot of um, interesting uh, little little stories along the way of some stuff that we've done together. So uh, before we get started, um, why don't you do a little intro, talk about background, talk about what you're interested, in, what what pumps you up about the marketing automation space? Yeah, it's um, yeah. So I've been at RSA for just about two years now. Um, so I lead up the digital and the marketing automation side of things. Um, I came over from Walmart Canada, which which I handled uh, majority of the CRM for from the B two C B two C side as well. So. I uh, want to take a spin at the, the B2B world and, and understand how that all flows with, with, with respect to marketing automation. Um, what kind of floats my boat regarding automation? I just, I love data. And you I mean, a lot of the, a lot of automation is, is driven from data and kind of the insights and understanding from what we can gather from digital interactions and how we can apply that in a marketing world and how we can, you I mean, change the perceptions and behaviors of consumers based on what we see from their past behavior. And I think that's really interesting stuff. And you can get really granular and, and very detailed in a lot of the, you mean the, the marketing flows that you can get, or you mean the digital journeys. Um, and yeah, from there, it's, it's all about kind of optimizing the campaigns to, to making it work for, for your end consumer, whether it be in this case, it's a broker or whether it be an end, end shopper for, for an e-commerce site. Awesome. So I know we're going to probably get into some, you know, some background and and some different stories around how to make that work. But I just pointing out, it seems like you love data. 
don't know which direction you are actually going to end up on the screen. And, and Robin <laughs> loves data. I was so, thinking the same thing. You were thinking that too. <laughs> Big surprise. Who loves it more though? Yeah. Oh, I, don't know. I don't know. Whenever we do these, there's, it's like the data needs to come into the conversation, which is good. I mean, that's, that's Robin's the VP of data and insight. So, you know, that's what. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think, you mean, and even we, we talked about this before, actually we started is that, you mean, data is the foundation for anything you do. So mm. you, if you don't have that good foundational data framework, everything afterwards is just going to get even more complicated and complex and you'll have to put some manual work in there um, to try to get the fix arounds uh, around not having that strong data foundation. So, I mean, that's why it's very important to kind of lay that foundation out first so that everything flows nicely and seamless after, after you've set that up. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I mean, nobody likes to get an email or, or a campaign targeted to them that, you know, has your name in all capitals or, you know, yeah. is, is spelled just wrong. K, hello K. Yeah, hello K, hello K right, <laughs> comma, uh, stuff like that. Or, you know, you dream up these awesome campaigns that, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could, you know, go after this group and a cross sell. And then you realize that it ends up being a big batch and blast because it ends up whittling down to the minimum level that everybody meets, which isn't very, can, can, you know, can be not great if you don't have the data. So for sure, that's right. always a thing. I think too, on the relationship side of this business, whether it is broker to insured or sorry, you know, carriers with brokers or, or broker to insured, the relation, I mean, I, and I always come back to this. I know the relationship is very important in a lot of businesses, but for this business, it's, it's a very mm -hmm. big thing. So it's even in some of our campaigns, we can't, we can't just, it, it has to be very fine tuned on how we position the personalization or even the, the triggered message, um, mm -hmm. as well as the content within, because you don't want to give off this impression that, you know, this underwriter doesn't know, or this sales guy doesn't know Bob when we went golfing, you know, or we went to Vegas two years ago with Bob and now I'm being really impersonal. So mm -hmm. I think it's mm -hmm. that, that balance of that, that plays a big role. Yeah. So maybe Corey, I mean, like you kind of, maybe you could talk a little bit about the kind of the contrast the, before we get into some of the points that we wanted to go over uh, for the, for the audience, but the contrast between the, the B2C stuff that you've got a lot of experience in and what you're now starting to see on the B2B side. Yeah. And so uh, the big difference for B2C, especially in the Walmart world where everything's moving 30 times faster than um, is it's, you have to make change on a, on a more frequent basis. So you're looking at data almost like on the daily weekly basis where B2B it's a little bit more longer, longer tailed where you can, you, you wait for the data to come in a couple of weeks, just because of the nature of the business, especially in insurance is, I mean, we talk about renewals or new business. It's it's a longer process to kind of get them up to speed or on board um, into the business. Where on the B two C side, a sale is a sale, and if we don't capture that sale, they're going to some other e commerce site, for example. So I mean, it's it's more. I think it's it's faster paced on the on the B two C side. Again, it, it all depends on what type of business you are. Um, but on the on the B two B side, I feel like it's more longer tailed, and we have to still continue that conversation, but it's, it's at a longer framework um, than from, uh, from a B2C side of things. Interesting. Sort of more in the moment, like probably around, I mean, we hope when we're running these journeys, even on a B2C basis that, 
you know, people are listening, the consumers are listening, or they're at least picking up on sub themes that, you know, we're, we're trying to impress upon them over time. But um, it does become a little more transactional, right? When you're, when you're kind of hitting on a B2C basis, like what exactly, yeah. What, what immediate kind of outcome are we trying to generate? Right. Right. And you mean, for, for example, like with, with our, I mean, our pro digital journey, which you, you mean, there, there is some, there's an act on case study uh, out there as well. It's, it's longer tail. Like we, we want them to use the tools when, when they do have an opportunity for a quote and a bind, we persuade them or bring awareness to them to, to use the tool. And you mean, this could be over two to three weeks, a month, you mean 90 days you mean, this is the kind of journey that we're looking at where, um, if you're looking at a Black Friday sale, it's like you need an immediate sale within the next two days. What can you do to trigger that trigger that engagement within the email or through you mean um, through mobile app? How can mm-hmm. we trigger that, and how can we then um, follow up with subsequent offers based on that that transaction? So I think it's it's again it's very short tail again based on the time of period it is. Um, but yeah, and that's that's kind of the nature of. B2B and B2C from, from my perspective. One of cool. the advantages of that longer relationship uh, is the ability to capture more data. So you, you know, it's longer mm-hmm. tail, you are building that relationship and um, there will be more opportunities to, you know, to engage and, and capture more information. And then you actually have the time to be able to integrate that data to continue the conversation. Mm-hmm. And that really quick transactional, more retail perspective, you don't ha- always have the advantage to doing that. So, so to me, that's definitely an advantage of, of B2B versus B2C. For sure, like just to touch on that point, is a lot. A lot of the consumers on the on the retail side, especially during big sale periods, are one and done customers, right? So they come for the sale, and that's it. You don't see as much as as much as lifecycle marketing you inject. They're still not coming back. But here, like you said, Robin, it's you can continue that conversation, um, try to build the relationship up with the broker, um, and then hopefully it allows them to to bring that better business because of the value that you're showing them. Uh, on a consistent basis through the the different touch points that you have along that that digital journey. Yeah, and and I think that's a good place for us to maybe get in as we think of like, I know one of the things we were going to address is really getting started. I mean, RSA Canada, they're they're doing some cool stuff. I mean, it's not like a, a horn toot necessarily for for us. Um, it's 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 certainly from from your side being visionary in this space, but um, but, it, but they are, I mean, you're moving, you're kind of moving the needle on communication programs that are, you know, we don't, we don't see that across, across, um, the board right now. Um, and I, I, I would, maybe we touch on this sort of like, before we get into like how to get started, maybe it's like, why would you get started? Cause something that you just mentioned sort of, um, led me to think if you're the value that you want to provide to your audience is, is, you know, of, uh, uh, a longer term kind of uh, horizon where you you want to educate on on the things that you can do for them and you want to bring value to that to that audience in in different ways then that almost puts a requirement in place for automation because it's a it's a tool set mm-hmm. that allows you to facilitate that type of strategy rather than just doing one off blasts everywhere right so i think we should touch a little bit on like you know brands i mean you know insurance companies as an example from you guys that you know if you're really looking to kind of 
create that presence for an organization that becomes one of the inflection points to sort of look at automation and touch on that maybe. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's just, it's, I mean, it's, if, if you're in the marketing space for a while, especially in the digital market, you, you have to kind of take a step back and say, okay, what's been kind of my evolution the last few years. And if it's, it's kind of a lot of, a lot of companies and you I mean, they kind of get in that rut, this kind of the status quo is, Oh, it's been working. It's been working for us. Uh, the batch and blast. I mean, we see the uptick when we send out our email, we're happy with it, but you mean at that point it's it's not good. like you always have to strive for improvement and I think that's the our, that was my inflection point at least was like after a year two years three years doing the same thing you're like okay like you want to add a little bit of excitement to your own personal sc- career uh, skill set and build and try to and try to evolve that uh, that marketing view of how to really communicate to the end consumer and I think that's what. You mean when I when I joined RSA, that's kind of the you mean uh, the the direction that w- was given was basically how can we how can we amplify this this customer relationship we have with the brokers because I mean RSA is known for that is is working directly with the brokers and you mean those are our end consumers and how can we how can we nurture that relationship um, and really build that relationship along through that digital journey with really relevant content that kind of hits home under gives them what they need to communicate to their customers. Um, and then that helps foster the relationship moving forward. I think that's uh, one of the big things, especially like, you I mean, RSA again is unique as, as we, as we gear towards the brokers. Um, but you I mean, you can, you can apply that to end consumers. It's, it's the same tr- uh, thought process as well. Yeah. I was just, um, just thinking about what you were saying there. Um, in in terms of that relationship but i think one of the things that we've kind of one of the things that rsa has done well over the over the last you know couple years especially is really getting that kind of like getting sales on board and i know we're going to peel that into a different point of the conversation but um you know using automation in that really personalized way and not cold experience to you know, that, that, that scares a lot of people that scares a lot of large brokers, um, certainly scares a lot of, uh, of carriers. So I think that, whereas in this case, I think we baby stepped it in a way that, but pushed it, you know, quick enough that, you know, Mm -hmm. we didn't allow it, we didn't allow it to get to hang everything up, but it's been a, it's been a positive thing. I think there's a lot more to go. Um, but yeah, I I don't know if you want to comment on that, but that's, that, that's big part of transition yeah for sure so I think you mean yeah if, if you talk to any sales guy it's it's yeah I like to pick up the phone and do my thing right and that's been kind of the traditional way especially in the insurance space um, and, and and I think the scary thing is when we when we communicate automation to the sales guys it's like they're a little bit defense defensive in terms of oh no automation is going to replace my job or whatever it is and, it, and it's not the case it, it, it totally isn't the case it's, it's more there to help complement complement the conversation you mean still pick up the phone and have that that phone call with with the broker but um we have that automation kind of campaign to to help complement that conversation and, and continue it down the road so that you mean we can create the alerts if they have some sort of digital engagement with a specific email or a web uh, and a website interaction and again we can follow up we can send alerts back to that sales team to say hey 
this broker just engaged with us in this way um, might be a good time to follow up with a phone call, right? And so I think it just gives them a little bit more fuel, a little bit more leverage um, to add in their back pocket that they can, I mean, almost like an icebreaker that when they do talk to the broker, they have that knowledge of backend, hey, we noticed that you downloaded this or we saw that you, you, you mean, read this email, what, what, what drew interest of it, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's kind of the, the important thing that we want to stress here is that, and we're not here to replace, we're here to complement. And, and by doing that, it, it just helps um, the whole selling process and, and slash retention uh, from the sale to the brokers. And I mean, we've also done it from an underwriting side as well, um, where, I mean, underwriters are, are continuously following up and following up with phone calls, which is great. Um, but we, again, we injected some, some, some automation in there too. I mean, after that phone call, it's, uh, a, a simple, nice gesture reminder of an email of, of all the features and benefits and, and all that stuff that, that helps hopefully sell the, sell the quote through. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Chris, now is the sales, the sales side. So I know you want to jump in, but I think this is a great, I think, I think it'd be nice for you to add on to whatever you were going to say, which, which might be this, but you know, you're, we can switch gears in terms of a, how you use it. Cause you're, you know, you're, you're involved in the insurance industry in a big way and, and powered by marketing automation ourselves. But, um, but also just um, picking up on the, the whole kind of sales alignment piece. So yeah, go for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I was, I was thinking as Corey was speaking there about how, you know, um, what is the impact uh, to the sales team and the, the ownership of a brokerage when something like, digital marketing or marketing automation and sort of comes into the picture. And I think that uh, Corey's very right that there's a little bit of intimidation there. There's a little bit of like, how's that going to affect me? Um, uh, these organizations don't actually realize how much data they are actually using when they uh, actually get a list. They get a list, they're, they're accustomed to kind of taking a list and just banging that phone until they get somebody on the phone and then doing their thing. Um, the realization when we have gotten involved with an organization with some digital marketing and marketing automation is that it really is adding a layer of personalization to the conversation and a whole lot less sort of um, uh, cold call, um, you know, nothing happening. Uh, so I think that there's that, that sort of learning curve of what does this mean? What does the, the, the digital marketing layer and the marketing automation layer mean to what it is that our overall goal is as a company? And when one sort of like puts it all together and realizes that, you know, this is something that is going to take some effort to sort of, uh, to, to sort of put in in a, in a sensible manner to, you know, not sort of, you know, uh, not, not to sort of drive everything towards a pure digital play all at once, but to sort of layer it in, in a way that sort of makes sense that supports the growth strategy at a, you know, in a meaningful way. That's the sort of the way to, to sort of lean into it. Um, I can't tell you how many conversations we've had uh, where there's sort of an understanding that we need to move to digital, but we don't like a, a, a company, a broker, they, they don't know really what to do in terms of the first thing. What's the first thing that, that, that we should do? Um, and then 
in terms of sort of putting that sort of roadmap together, which is obviously just sort of setting up the foundation, putting together that sort of, you know, six to 12 to 18 month plan of rolling it out. Mm -hmm. There's a recognition that this is not something that is going to make a 180 degree turn all at once. It's an iterative process that's going to take, you know, it's going to take time and thought to kind of mm -hmm. put it in gradually. And you build those blocks sort of as you go in a way that, that actually makes sense. The interesting thing is from a sales perspective, there's never a, there's never fewer salespeople that are needed to sort of make that happen. Sure. What you are focused on though, is making sure that those salespeople are involved in the conversations at the, the right time. Right. Um, mm -hmm. the, thing about, the thing about the brokerage business though, it's been such a pure sales play for a long, long time. It's, it hasn't been about data, you know, up until probably 10 years ago, it wasn't about data. It was about activity. It was about making enough calls to, to sort mm -hmm. of like, you know, relationships, you, relationships, yeah. and, and just basically building it up on the basis of that one-to-one -one thing. And that mm -hmm. still exists. That's still really important. You talk to any commercial broker out there, that's still mm -hmm. going to play a major role. And it's not going to take away from that whatsoever, but it's like, how do you use those digital tools? How do you use that marketing, those marketing automation tools to enhance that relationship, to make that relationship actually a little bit, uh, a little bit stronger? Well, and I think mm -hmm. the P, the P and C. So when your your comment there, Chris, about you know brokers, whether they're small or large, it, it's actually the P and C industry as a whole. Right. If you if you in Canada, if you go to life, I mean, it's come a long way in five years. But if you go to life, health and benefits, that sector, you can see the digital adoption is sometimes broader in that realm than you can in the home and auto. Um, I mean, obviously, personal lines is a lot further ahead in some cases than than commercial lines. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a P and C thing. Mostly, that's. I wanted to. Uh, I just wanted to pick up on the, you know, the points that were also made about this concept of, um, you know, the digital adding to the conversation. Because Corey, we hear that a lot. This mm -hmm. this concern about this automated communication coming in, and that concern, I think, is rooted in the fact that, you know, um, you know. As a broker, I'm you know, I have a conversation to my end consumer or as an insurer, I have a conversation to my broker and this fear that this automated conversation is going to come in and it's going to be in a completely different line as in it's going to, you know, it's, it's not going to have any connection to that, that conversation or that relationship mm -hmm. that the building mm -hmm. with the fear that, you know what, you're actually going to derail everything that I'm going to be doing. Um, right. Because there's not an understanding that actually that conversation, uh, the digital uh, automated conversation is meant to work really well with and in conjunction with that one-to-one -one personal conversation. And that not only is that conversation not impersonal, it's actually data driven. So it is based on what we know about the, uh, the, the, you know, the end person that we're talking to. It's things that they have overtly told us, meaning the types of coverages they're interested. It's also based on behavior, 
depending on the, on the type of content or the, the channel of content where things are, are actually digested. So in many ways, it actually has the ability to be more personal and relevant than what an individual, the type of conversation an individual is happening because there's so much more data. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think if there's a way to get, you know, to, to get that understanding uh, brought through, that's where you can uh, sell on the value. And that also brings back to the whole data point, which we started with, because the more data that you have available, the more powerful that automated conversation mm -hmm. can be. And, and I think just to touch on that point, I think, yeah, data is, data is very important. And sometimes the data can be very overwhelming. And then I think this is a lot of challenges people have as well is like, yeah, okay, I got lots of data, but where do I start? And I think that's, that's the, the biggest concern or biggest challenge people have is like, where do I start with this data? And then, I mean, we always talk about kind of the, the crawl, walk, run approach, right? So start small, like start, start with one or two different, and that's what we're doing, especially with like in, in, in the RSA, we're, a lot of people who aren't very, who aren't exposed to digital marketing and don't understand it, like the the nuts and bolts of it all, is is we have to kind of take them through that process of you mean know, building it out slowly so that they can see the entire picture. And it's not about like what you mentioned, Chris. Not about building the eighteen month, um, you mean thirty communications in all eighteen months. It's like let's start small, um, figure it out, and learn and optimize, and then build from it. And I think that's what we've done. Uh, specifically on on the underwriter side is is you mean start small learn and then continue to build and grow from it based on some of the data that we're seeing from all of the the digital engagement i think that's a it's a big thing to do especially when you have lots of data because you mean insurance companies have lots of data it's just how to how to manage and manipulate it in a way that's meaningful for you mean your end broker yeah, I love you say about about the data. Like there, there is tons of of, uh, of data, but it really is a shift for uh, for these um, uh, you know principals who have been reliant. Like they, they have been growing on the basis of the good service that they're providing. Their, that's a mm -hmm. that's a given. Good service. That's not yeah. a differentiator. That is what everybody's doing. Good service, and then it's like. How do I grow? Well, I know that if I hire a sales rep, if I hire a, a, a you know a broker, I'm going to be able to expect this kind of growth. I know what that right. math is. I know what that is. What I don't know is if I you know bring on board some kind of a system that I don't understand, what is that actually going to do for me? And that's mm -hmm. as you say, the education portion of what does it mean to kind of add one of these layers of communication. What does that mean? Right. What is what like because you're you're sort of and I know that the, the the ROI question is always in the back of their head. What like when am I going to see some kind of a return on this? Well, you know, we have examples, we have case studies and stuff like that, but always there's that uncertainty around mm -hmm. I've never done that before. What I know is right. I know how to look after a customer and I know I can do that. But what I don't know is like, what does it mean if I start investing here? And that's where, mm -hmm. you know, I, again, like from, from your, you're dealing with brokers all the time, obviously sort of introducing to them to, um, you know, to the services that you have, et cetera, which, you know, in, you know, your, um, the automation is built into those, uh, you know, to those right. communications, uh, you must be, you know, constantly having that uh, having that dialogue oh oh for sure and, it, and it's 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 funny because 
um, I mean, as we've built up a lot of our automation and, I mean, we've built up the automation to have, I mean, different from names based on different stakeholders in the business, based on what product line they're from. Um, and the, the reply to address always goes to our, our general RSA broker inbox. And it's funny, when we send out these emails, we get some reply back thinking that the end user was actually that person who sent the email when it was just kind of an automated message. So we get this heartfelt message back to the, to the inbox saying, oh, thanks, you know, thanks, Michael, for that, for that, uh, you mean that message, it meant a lot, blah, blah, blah. But in the end, Michael really didn't know that he sent that message. That means to, it's working, extent, right? right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and I, you know, I think it, it speaks to the, the growth, uh, the success that you guys have had with automation. You, you mentioned Corey, like starting small and where do you start? And I think even, even, you know, organizations looking by watching this, I think if you're, you know, another carrier and, uh, you know, another kind of market, so to speak, you know, you could probably connect with it a bit more to say, oh, okay, you know, there's, you know, probably an investment that RSA Canada's made. And it's been, it's, it's been a, a growing thing. It's not like, like mm -hmm. you said, it's like you have to crawl into it, but we can, we, but I think what's often misunderstood is, you know, if you're, you can actually start relatively small. I mean, the platforms themselves are within reach for, I would say most businesses that we would, that would mm -hmm. be listening to this podcast, you know, you don't need to, you know, have a whole team around it and, and all that type of thing. But, um, and, and as you grow and as you, you have an agency, you know, then you, you have roles like yourself that evolve within the organizations to really, you know, understand the value within the corporation. But I think it's often misunderstood that you can get going and you can, you can start improving the way you're running your marketing communications at a, at a relatively small point. Right. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. And, and you mean, Jen, you can allude to this as we as we kind of built up a case study for our, our RSA Pro tool when we started back in, I think it was 2016, 2017, we started RSA Pro. Um, I was still before my time, but um, basically we've evolved. We started maybe with just a couple onboarding emails um, for our RSA Pro tool. Now it's evolved to this, I mean, onboarding, retention, win back, uh, digital journey that, that accompanies probably... 18 to 20 different emails um, and that's over a course of you mean four to five years where that we we've kind of built on this and it's just test and learn test and learn optimize from our learnings understanding the data see how each broker kind of flows through through each communication touch point learning from that and then evolving and testing and, and kind of going through that same iteration process and that's where we started we started small and now we've gone to a point where I mean, it's not a set and forget because we're always looking at the different touch points, but um, it's it's understanding that data and then continuing to to push and and understand what the what what gets um, what gets them engaged specifically from an RSA tool tool standpoint. Yeah, I think you know a lot of I remember the driver back one of the drivers back years and years ago was um, insurance carriers incentivize heavily like it's just kind of known all over the place that it's the next mm -hmm. visa card or the next and even even i won a pretty big visa card back in the day uh, <laughs> it wasn't digital though but um and but you're you're kind of so you're relying a lot on you know I mean, there's there's business metrics to go and create those incentive campaigns but it's there's not it, there's not a science to it right so whereas here when you can actually incorporate smart incentives to say 
well, wait a minute, maybe, maybe it's these guys that we should be giving the iPad to, to warm them up or, or vice versa. Right. And I think like, that's mm -hmm. a really big takeaway because there's lots, tons of dollars that go into incentivizing every single year. Um, and it can allow you to, to just, I wouldn't say pull back, but, but use it in a, in a smart way. So I remember that being a driver. And, and like you said, all of the, the lead up, I remember our audience was, was very small uh, back in that day. And then when you're even, I think we revamped some of those onboarding programs um, this year. And looking back at the original ones, where I, I was like, wow, these aren't, these aren't that bad. <laughs> I mean, they've come That's a long way, it, but, yeah. but they yeah. weren't... Uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, that's, so that kind of was leads us, I think, to another kind of good good angle because I think we're coming up close on timing. If I'm doing the math in my head, but I thought we've kind of covered on the things that we wanted to talk about. I mean, Corey, you sort of went into the data and insights a bit, and we can expand on that for sure if if, if you want to go into it. But we did talk a bit about getting started and that you can start small and you know the the critical importance to aligning something like this with with revenue you know and and mm -hmm. you know that might start with understanding engagement but then growing and, and and trying to get close to the business unit um and um that that you know is ultimately that sales organization that you can start to build those two-way pieces we talked about that and then you'd mentioned optimizing something like the pro journey with with the data and insights piece being key but i thought maybe and maybe we could touch on that a bit more if you want within this context but this rsa case study that was done by act on that, that you had participated in is, is is amazing i mean it it's really tells if, if go to our website i I think it's it's on our blog and it's all over our social media. I know RSA Canada posted it on their social on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great way for somebody to to get an outside view as to how this could help them. But why don't we? Why don't you tell us an area? Maybe you want to weigh in too, Jen. Like, what's a fun, exciting, maybe more recent thing, or, or you know, something that's kind of really taking you know all of this stuff together now in context that you're working on? Like what's a, what's a fun and exciting kind of automation program that you're, that you're underway with? Yeah. Or, yeah, or that you've done, in. sorry, or that you've already done. I think, I think it is pro. I think pro is, is kind of the, I mean, the, the case study of all case studies specifically for automation. And I mean, anything else that we do is we try to align it to how we kind of started with pro, right? Like, you I mean, when we, when we talk on the PI side and the reason why it's, it's, easier with pros that we can easily align the, the sales data is all kind of aligned within our CRM as well, right? So we, it's easy and accessible, um, which allows us to trigger automations based off of uh, the sales data that we see on the PI side of things. We're still trying to, again, trying to figure that out and, and trying to connect all the dots to kind of get that automation going. Um, but I mean, uh, one of the evolutions that we've had is, and, and Jen alluded to it earlier, was that especially incentive-based campaigns is Typically, you mean RSA Pro, obviously the, the underwriters and, and in the in the small the SME space is based, they're they're continuing to sell and, and try to get quotes and, and bind and I mean that never stops throughout the year. But um, over the last few years we had injection points where we would introduce a standalone campaign with an incentive based. You mean if you log into Pro, you mean you qualify for an incentive. And we had like two or three a year and those were we saw lifts. We saw some great lifts with that campaign, those campaigns. 
um, I mean, we wanted to kind of evolve from that. And so as we continue to build our digital journey with RSA Pro, we started to continue that conversation based on, I mean, how many people have logged into the tool, to haven't logged in, who hasn't quoted, who has quoted, and kind of really understand the data. And now within that, our overarching digital journey for RSA Pro, we've now, instead of doing the you mean standalone campaign along with the journey we've actually done the incentive built into the digital journey as well so now, so now it's almost like your it's yeah and that's automated so now it's like your flash sale within our digital journey so depending on where you are in the digital journey and who you are um, you'll get a reminder about um, our specific campaign incentive and so it's not kind of a standalone campaign that we're running separately from our journey it's now all kind of engulfed and embedded together um, which makes it really good because now it's you can see the evolution and kind of standing away on marketing and he's really happy because now he's, he doesn't have to think about separate campaigns he can just kind of inject incentives based on where people are in the journey and, and try to per, per, persuade them to I mean, for tool adoption and binds and quotes. I think that's kind of the uh, a really interesting step and it's giving us a lot of data, which is great. And again, hoping to learn from that and, and optimize further down the road to continue to build this, um, this, this big flow of digital, digital communication touch points. Yeah, I think I think Corey, it's a is it's a really a good point that you make for for a number of reasons. Like I know Corey, you're the always on journey was your vision when you when when we first when we first came in and we and we started to like revamp this thing two years ago and um or a little shy of two years ago but i think it's really starting to show its fruit because the whole industry brokers are just inundated with 30 other markets of communication right mm -hmm. so it's it's like if, if we're doing some big huge you know, themed campaign four times a year, which there's value in that, right? You say it's mm -hmm. heavily, heavily incentive based, but then in tax doing it or and economical, like they're all doing it. It's, it's, right. it's very hard and overwhelming for somebody to kind of digest all of that, all of those emails, all of those. Well, products. and it's not in context either, right? And I think there's a tendency, right. and this is the argument that, that so many marketers have as it relates to batch and blast as they'll say well but sales are down what, what's that sales are down let's, let's pump yeah sales let's are down let's blast email. the whole list and maybe yeah. you know well if we if we segment maybe we'll miss people and i think yeah. i agreed but i think the the journeys that you're describing are 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 more in context and then the people that are um, you know, responding to those, you're going to like have higher response rates and then you've got less mm -hmm. of just a fatigue generally of your brand and, you know, erosion of that process because they're not getting hit all over the place. And when they do get hit, it's much more meaningful, right? Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think, um, I mean, bringing back on the retail B2C side, you're not making habitual for the end broker to, to say, you know what, I'm not going to quote in pro because they don't have a contest yet. Um, right. I'm going to wait for that contest to come, right? Like you, when you think about any clothing retail now, how just many people just wait for that 40, 40 to 50% off and they don't shop about it, right? And so you're, you're creating that, that kind of that bad habit of waiting for the sale or waiting for the incentive from a, <laughs> from a B2B side of things. So we, we want to kind of make that more of a consistent, always on approach where we're continuing to deliver uh, on an ongoing basis and 
setting the setting the expectation with the broker that yeah we're always there no matter what we're not just going to you mean incentivize you to try to get your business so the other aspect of of that story that i love corey is that you didn't have this fully baked when you started right so you had the initial journey you had the incentive yeah. campaigns that came in you tested them they worked well and then you integrated them into the journey and i think it's important for people who you know as you were talking about people where to get started and feeling it's overwhelming but you don't have to know all the answers up front but you have to be willing to to do some test and learn um, in this situation it's great the incentive campaigns work but there are going to be other situations there are things that don't work but it's all part of a learning process and then exactly. you integrate that learning and gradually you're you're improving that that journey and that relationship yeah and to touch on that it's like you mean it's a big thing it's a big cliche it's like you can't be afraid to fail um, because uh, failing is learning right and so if you think everything is perfect that you're doing then i mean good for you because you've, you've struck the silver bullet right away but a lot of a lot of people aren't on that same trajectory um they'll have to fail a little bit or get i mean it doesn't work but you understand that it didn't work and you, you kind of can kind of move away from that and test other things as well so i think that's a, a big thing specifically in automation and in marketing in general is just always being willing to, to optimize test and learn from that i think that's a that's a big thing especially because on the digital side of things you can measure everything and that's that's the beauty of digital and marketing automation is like you can measure you can see where people are are clicking what they're engaged with and really understand that data to to your advantage and that digital timeline becomes you know an asset to the business from a from from how you guys are you know not only measuring your your engagement and your base and 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 how um communications are being consumed right because that because you have a whole lot more than a than a basic system that would just give you opens and clicks like right. a digital timeline gives you days months years of 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 history of how uh, you know an audience is basically engaging with all kinds of different digital telemetry um mm -hmm. but i think it also helps you as you as you just sort of touched on um learn learn kind of more i guess more ag agilely or something or you're yeah. you're being you're able to be more agile kind of in the moment and if you if all you're kind of left with is an open and a click report and the system's just not intelligent enough to to have mm -hmm. something that yeah i can look at a timeline hey this happens to be within the crm2 i.e the pro rsa pro environment maybe maybe for our other stuff it's not and we have to do a little data on the back end but now you can maybe it's not exactly to the level of you know b to c that you would have to be pushed to in that environment because the user journeys are shorter but certainly allows you to look at a program after a couple of weeks and say yeah you know what we're we, we think we need to pivot around this let's not do something like that again right mm -hmm. exactly yeah and you mean that's that's all part of you mean how we started out specifically with pro is we learned a lot we pivoted away from things that didn't work and you mean we're, we're finding that kind of that that sweet spot where we think uh, things are working and that we're, we're continuing to optimize and, and uh, working from that. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a good advantage from, from that standpoint. Well, when you're, when, you're, when you're looking at all the data across every channel, every digital medium, going back to that, that tagging and that tracking, it allows us to pivot with the times, right? So we all know that email has been has been you know exhausted a bit in in this whole COVID scenario, but so it does allow us to say, okay, well we've got 
six years of history and data across all these different digital mediums. So if we see that, you know, we don't have any indicator, but if we see that, you know, emails dropping, then we can pick up. But, I, but yeah, but I think what we've also seen, sorry, Jen, just to cut in on that and maybe yeah. you could add onto it is that through this COVID period is that email is, is a is becoming a and is a very critical communications channel i mean yeah. mm -hmm. it, you know obviously we relied on it there's the whole go paperless movement within the insurance industry um yes you got it you know it's not secure to the extent of you know of a login and these types of things so there's you know there's all kinds of important implications but you know you know you've got you know in the school system you get an alert that all those alerts come over email and you know, maybe even more so now post COVID to say, sure. get your email together, you know, get your, yeah. this is not a MailChimp. you know, you need to have a platform that builds an email as an asset and a communication strategy. And that's your, that's, mm -hmm. you know, reading this case study, that's that natural evolution into an automation pro system. And then what you're talking about is don't use it like a, a batch and blast, you know, Right now. build a strategy, but crawl, walk, run into that. And, and, and as you go, but certainly I, I, I think, yeah, it's like, if you don't have a, a reliable, functional, clean email strategy that you can look at as a business and say, we know what this is, then you're at a major disadvantage, I think, going forward. Mm -hmm. And then like, to your point, Michael, it's like, yeah, start with the email, something that everyone's comfortable with. And then venture off into different different other mediums. Maybe it's maybe it's mobile text or what maybe it's through um, other communication methods. But I think I mean you can evolve, start with email, which is a, a good framework to start, and then evolve to other touch points that maybe the end consumer might be engaging with a little bit more, whether it's through social or through mobile or and so forth. Yeah. Jen, did you want to add anything onto that or did I just cut you off and ruin your Yeah, no, off? that's what I'm talking about. I, 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 I your train of thought. I knew you, it. You picked up on my... <laughs> oh, oh, okay, good. I did. It's critical in, in... It's more critical now. You picked up on that, but I also wanted to... It's, it's also... A it also allows us to say, is this getting a bit fatigued? Do we yeah, use, it, use it wisely. I, I don't disagree yeah. with you. you. Using it wisely was kind of what we were talking about just before, right? Batch and blasting, mm -hmm. everybody is not using it wisely, right? Yeah. So yeah. if everybody's getting hammered and their inboxes are being hammered, then, you know, come up with things that are smart and, and in context and relevant and timely and personalized. It's going to go a heck of a long way yep. um, than, than just getting the generic stuff. What else do we want to throw on the table, guys? Because it's 50 minutes. It's close to 50 minutes here. Or maybe it's 45. Oh, it's already been going that fast, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's I, I, so are all the good are, are all are all the good marketers going to B2B? So we've got this Walmart guy that moved over <laughs> to a B2B thing, and now all these retailers are sending out, you know, batch and blast and, and sort of uh, telling you when the big sales are sales. coming. Like <laughs> are all the of all the good people moved over to B2B. <laughs> I, I think it's uh, it's a tough space, right? Well, especially with COVID and everything. I think there's a lot, a lot of lost sales that happen, especially from the bricks and mortar perspective. So mm -hmm. I think they're trying to recapture a lot of lost sales, specifically for on the retail side, like guys like Walmart did fine mm -hmm. <laughs> for the most part. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's more so just, um, capturing yeah. those, that point of sale at the, at the, at the right time and trying to capture a lot of sales from, from my perspective, I think, 
um, from a B2B side of things, I think, again, is just continuing to foster that relationship, right? I don't think much has changed, especially in the insurance space. Um, I mean, a, a lot, much hasn't changed in terms of how we communicate. I think, obviously, the in-person stuff has. So that's why even an even more digital approach to how you communicate out to your end consumer is very important. Um, and it might continue. We don't know how long that's going to continue for, for the foreseeable future. So I think it's, it's even more so important to, to kind of start ironing out that strategy for, from, a, from a digital communication standpoint. Yeah. So you talk about at the end of this um, case study that, yeah, you, I mean, you guys have been doing this now for, I guess, five years. It's been five years. The strategy has been been evolving and rolling out and great numbers obviously in here. And you sort of mentioned that you still think sky's the limit. So, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, what's, next? what's that? Yeah. <laughs> what's next? Yeah. yeah what's I, next? What's, I mean, obviously what's next is you mean, we continue to even kind of doing an end loop of our, of our conversation is, continuing to maintain our data right so mm -hmm. data as we get get more data obviously the more data in there the more risk for you mean quote unquote dirty data and so we, we continually make sure that we want to maintain a, a clean database whether that means removing inactive people from your list uh, seeing mm -hmm. who's engaged and, and kind of really honing in on you mean classic database marketing strategies and, and working with the ones that are that are responding to you um, and giving them the, the level of effort that, that you want to see because you'll probably regain more business from, from those guys than kind of like your one and doneers who, who aren't as interested anymore. And so you mean a, a big data strategy, um, uh, not a big data strategy, but just an, a, a maintenance campaign um, that we, we continue to, to do for our data. And then just some more growth, growth initiative campaigns to, to support our sales guys. I mean, we're, in a, we're in a growth year. And so we're seeing how we can interject automation to help complement their their process and, and and business operations to help support them and and understand um, how they communicate out to the brokers and how we can interject the, those um, automated triggers um, to the brokers to again continue that conversation. So I mean those are the, the big things that we're we're working on. And then obviously on from a pro perspective, we're continuing to evolve that massive flow diagram that we have, which is great. I mean. My vision when I when I first came here was the I mean, my whole thing was like let's create this huge Microsoft Visio flow diagram of all the different touch points that these consumers or from these brokers have from a I mean, from an onboarding retention and a win back because mm -hmm. I mean brokers kind of fall into that whole strategy is like and let's have that diagram and then pick out different communication touch points and optimize and, and try to find. Uh, what works and what doesn't work. And we're, we're getting to that point. I think we've, we've built it out pretty good and we're going to continue to evolve that, I think, which is great. Corey, I wonder if you can comment on uh, reporting as part of the, maybe the yeah. next stage. Because, you know, one of the things that we see is that that is very often one of the last steps that that's exactly really done and because there's so much data and how do we actually build these reports? Mm -hmm. It's true, and it's, it comes becomes overwhelming because you have so many pieces of data, and I mean specifically with our team as well. And and you're you're kind of because we're a leaner team, you kind of gonna get into the execution of it all and and the build, and you're like, okay, it's right. You got a little bit of a sigh of relief and that it's out, but you I mean you got to get to the data part, and people often miss or let it slide the data part, right? And so 
you mean that's kind of the forgiving part of a B2B is you can have a little bit of a delay where B2C is like, okay, we sent it out the next day. What's the result? Where B2B is like, we can wait, you mean seven to 10 days, maybe 14 days to see what kind of those results are and then be able to pivot. Um, but yeah, it's just basically making sure that the tracking is all there and the reporting is there in terms of your, your basis KPIs, right? So aligning those report metrics to the, the KPIs of the campaign, whether it be sales, uh, whether it be tool adoption, what, uh, whatever it is, renewals, uh, whatever your KPIs are, make sure that you're, you're lining up the campaign to make sure that you're reflecting those, KP, those business KPIs. Um, and then if you're not hitting them, just being able to pivot, optimize, test, learn, pivot, seeing if that works to kind of trigger uh, an uplift in, in those campaigns, in those metrics. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I think that this has been fantastic. Um, I don't know if you, great. if you, yeah, I mean, if you want to come back on Corey, I'm sure we could probably be chatting for hours. Oh, um, I know. I, I, I didn't even know that much time went by already. No, I mean, I think <laughs> it's great. I mean, we love, we love these long podcasts, lots of great content and um, yeah, I mean, it's hard cause we're packing in, we're packing in so many awesome topics, yeah. right. That, that, that we're trying to get out, but the, um, the, you know, I think this, this is going to be great for the audience and really appreciate you doing this mm -hmm. and, you know, no problem. really, really love working with you and the team and yeah. with, uh, with you guys for so long now, it's like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been great. Like obviously, I mean, partnering with you guys has helped us, I mean, expedite that, that automation process. And I mean, some people don't have that luxury of, you I mean, having a great support like you guys to, to really fulfill those expectations. And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great. You guys are kind of like the extension of RSA Canada, which is good. And so I think, um, we've gotten to that point and we'll continue to, to, to lean on you guys for, for that extra support for, for driving home that, that automation. So it's been great partnership for the, the last few years, for sure. Yeah, thank for you. sure. Yeah. Thank you. All right, everyone have an excellent rest right. of the day. Thanks, Thanks a lot guys. Bye. Take care. Thank you guys. Cheers.